Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I started liking him more and more the more I heard from him after retirement. So I just feel like we're being robbed of maybe even a better post-playing career than he had a playing career. And that's what's really sad to me. Hello, everyone. You're listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows podcast, where we talk about sports and culture from this perspective of HBCU students. I'm Randall Williams, and I'm on the line with my co-hosts, Bill Roden and Whitney Bronson from Hampton University. How are you guys doing today? All good. Hey, uh, Randall. Hey, Whitney. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. It could be better. My, uh, my hero just passed, but... We're also joined by local sports reporter and co-host on Bill Roden on Sports, Jamal Murphy. Welcome back to the show, Murph. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. In our first podcast of the new year, we're discussing the life and legacy of NBA legend Kobe Bryant. Early Sunday morning, he boarded a helicopter with his 13-year-old daughter, Jana, and two of her teammates of the same age, Alyssa Altabelli and Peyton Chester. Alyssa's parents, beloved baseball coach John Altabelli and his wife Carrie were also on board, along with Peyton's mom, Sarah, and Mamba Academy girls basketball coach Christina Mauser, and the pilot, Aria Zabayan. They were all headed to a youth basketball game. The helicopter tragically crashed north of Los Angeles, killing everyone on board. The NBA community, fans, and players around the world are in mourning. Here's a clip of Shaquille O'Neal leading a Kobe chant outside of the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Kobe, 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 Bryant's work ethic and relentless drive inspired an entire generation of athletes. Bryant put together a Hall of Fame career in 20 years with the Los Angeles Lakers. He earned 18 All-Star selections, a regular season Most Valuable Player Award in 2008, and two NBA Finals MVP awards to go along with his five championship rings. He scored nearly 34,000 career points and now ranks fourth all-time after LeBron James surpassed him Saturday night in Philadelphia. We'll discuss our reaction to the news, Bryant's legacy, and more. Let's dive in. Before we get into the discussion, I'm just curious, what thing about Kobe's great career resonated with you all the most? Uh, for me, this is Bill, uh, and uh, to get in, in advance, I apologize for uh, background noise. I'm in Miami. I've got the Super Bowl. Yeah, for me, obviously, you know, the airways have been filled today with people kind of remembering and trying to get their heads around all this stuff, but it's, it's been his uh, work ethic, and basically just his... Uh, his uh, you know, concentration, his focus. Um, he was probably one of the most focused athletes I'd ever been around. And, you know, not everybody was crazy about that. I mean, because he did push his teammates. And I think a lot of teammates appreciated him. But that's one thing that kind of sometimes rubs him the wrong way, that he was just very relentless. Yeah, this is Jamal. I, you know, I totally agree with that. I think it's his, it was his mentality, the, the uh, famous Mamba mentality, which, which encompassed his relentless work ethic, um, you know, the, the attitude he brought to the game. I think it was both, you know, people loved it and hated it. I think some of the same people loved and hated it. They loved it at certain times, hated it at other times. Uh, players respected him for it. 
I think, you know, he was the closest thing competitor-wise to Michael Jordan, I think. And he came, you know, he came right at the end of Jordan's career pretty much. And he kind of took that mantle of of win at all costs. Um, he had the talent to go along with it. But, I, yeah, I think I think it was his, his mentality uh, that resonates the most and will continue to resonate uh, even with him passing. The thing about Kobe is just, I think how universal he was, in my opinion. It doesn't matter whether you were a sports fan or if you were, I don't know, a soccer player, hockey player, whatever. Everybody knows who Kobe Bryant is. And I think that just honestly really gets me. You can have like a football player or a baseball player coursing around in a classroom or something, and they're going to try to shoot some trash in a trash can, and they're going to yell Kobe. Like it really doesn't matter what sports you played, what your ethnicity was, who you were. Everybody knew who Kobe Bryant was. And I think just to have that type of legacy and impact is honestly just huge. And the fact that he just supported so many other things outside of just the NBA um, is just crazy to me. So I think that's what resonates with me the most. So uh, where were you guys when the news came out? I was uh, I was playing basketball and someone came in basically kicking us off the court and then she said, uh, and by the way, check your phones, Kobe Bryant just died and me and uh, all 10 of my guys just rushed to our phones, couldn't believe it. And uh, sure enough, so we uh, we saw the news. So, but, but where were you guys? Uh, I was uh, in Orlando, Florida, down at the Pro Bowl. And in fact, I think it was uh, Aaron, our producer who actually texted me i'm not sure if aaron got a text but uh yeah i was out the pro bowl and i got the news and uh you know obviously was just stunned and shocked and you know uh, pretty soon as the news rippled through a lot of the players you know everybody got the news and everybody was just sort of like just stunned as uh, this guy who's you know only 41 years old a lot of the guys that known him well uh, I think at one point in the game they flashed his picture and all that scoreboard. So yeah, I was in Orlando, Florida when I when I heard this uh, the news. Yeah, I I had just finished uh, returning home from taking my son to basketball practice, and you know I was just settling in on the couch about to watch some college basketball, and then I get a a, a text from a friend of mine and uh, there was a link and it was a TMZ link and it, you know, it says Kobe Bryant, Bryant dead in a helicopter crash. And I'm, I just looked at the, at the, I'm just looking at my phone staring. Like I didn't really, I thought it was a fake post. You know, I was like, wait a second, you know, this, this can't be true. You know, I'm looking at it. Uh, so then I get out of that and I, and I see that I have 10, you know, 15 more text messages and I can tell right away that, you know that they're starting. You know, starting with Kobe or something, and I'm like, wow, this is really true. Um, and then I just sat there and tried to take in all the all the news that was coming out. I, you know, I was searching for, you know, the real story, and it and it came out slowly. And then not only that, you know, a little, you know, hours later, you find out that his daughter was also on on the helicopter. So it was just it was just terrible. It was just a terrible story, terrible feeling. It was shocking. I can't ever remember another you know, celebrity death that was like this, that was this shocking, just came out of nowhere and, you know, and just felt by everybody. So, you know, and I'm, you know, still, I'm still kind of in, uh, you know, mini state of shock today. So it hasn't even gone away. So, I mean, just unbelievable. 
Yeah, I was along the same lines of um, Murph. I found out, um, similar to Bill, actually, with our producer, Aaron, sending us a link to TMZ. And when I saw it, I said, this isn't true. Like, this this just cannot be true. It's fake. Um, and I was actually on my way to the library to try to, you know, get some work done. And so I immediately went to Twitter and I was just seeing the whole timeline was just about Kobe and it still hadn't even sunk in for me yet that it was actually true. And so now I'm just sitting in the library trying to process everything and it just doesn't seem real at all whatsoever. There are just certain people that you, you just view them as almost invincible, like nothing can happen to them. And then for something so tragic to happen to a person like Kobe Bryant and then his daughter as well, you just, you can't even picture it because that honestly really could happen to anyone, but you just don't really picture someone going out like that, to be completely honest. Like we all thought he was going to, you know, live his life and watch his daughter play basketball, his other three daughters grow up and everything. But um, yeah, it was just crazy. Now I was just going to say the rest of my day was done. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. I was kind of stuck. Kobe has been my favorite players for as long as I started loving basketball. And he's really the reason that I started really loving basketball and I couldn't focus, couldn't cook. You know, it was, it was tough to do anything. And, you know, I, when someone like Kobe, I remember when, when Prince passed, my parents were really down and same with MJ, but you know, I kept, I was playing mad and I was like, you know, maybe if I finish this game and turn the TV back on, you know, this is, this can't be real. And every time the Kobe Bryant dead at 41 would flash up on ESPN or even at the Grammys that Alicia Keys had a tribute. And it was just like, I couldn't get away. And it was it's really my worst nightmare as one of my, one of my heroes. What I, what I think, uh, I mean, journalistically, one of the things that our job is as journalists, we have all these emotions, but we we they call us the first draft of history. I think that may have been one of the first conversations we had. Uh, you know, you can ask fellows that journalists are the first drafts of history. So what does that mean? That means we're the first on the scene, and it's really our job to cut through all the shock and the pain and the disbelief, and then to begin to make sense of it, make sense of stuff that cannot really be made sense of. But as journalists, you know, you have to put aside the shock and now begin to get sort of to the what happened uh get fan reaction family reaction get details what happened and a couple of my colleagues and i don't know how you guys feel about this through all the praise i mean you know nobody's perfect and certainly kobe had made mistakes uh in his life and you know particularly in 2003 and at what point i know one journalist at the washington post was suspended because she linked the story about the 2003 trial, and how do you balance when you're telling the story of somebody's life, particularly a celebrity? Nobody is like that pitches a no hitter. At what point do we, as journalists, begin to think the whole picture and not just all the the great things? You know, I, I'm just curious, you as young journalists, and and Murph, you've had to do it. You know, at what point do you do we we go through the the morning and all that, but now we we now have to put his entire life, not just his career, his basketball career in perspective, but we have to put his entire life 
uh, in perspective. How, how difficult is that going to be, do you guys think? Well, I, I think it's, it's very difficult. Um, but like you said, Bill, I think that's part of our job. It may not have to be brought up immediately, right, when he dies and people and his, and his daughter uh, is, is also uh, among those found dead. Um, that might not be the time really to, to have to talk about, you know, every single piece of his life and, and all the mistakes he made. You know, I think there, there could be, you know, a slight grace period for mourning. Um, but, you know, everybody's different. That's just me. That's my personal feeling about it. Now, I, I do think people have the right to bring up any part of his life. So I did find the fact that, that the reporter was suspended. I found that a little curious. I, I may not agree with what she said. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, for one, think, uh, you know, people should be allowed to redeem themselves and, and there's, there's redemption is possible. And I think he is among the people who have done that. Um, you know, he made a terrible mistake 20 years ago. Um, or, you know, approximately 20 years ago. Um, and I don't think there's any any evidence that he's a serial, um, you know, sexual harasser or, or rapist or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, for, for we haven't heard from the victim. We, you know, she, she may have herself forgiven him. We don't know. You know, people do forgive. There are murderers hey, hey, out hey, Jamal, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jamal, I mean, I think you raise a great point. I mean, you know, trying to, flesh out my thoughts. And again, I don't know what you, you know, what the fellows think about this, but you're right. I mean, I like to hear from the victim because, you know, we don't know. I mean, I've seen uh, columnists really take Kobe apart right. to go back to 2003. I said, well, you can't know that until you know whether the victim has forgiven him. Right. Uh, I mean, I think that's the, you raise a great point. Jamal. Yeah. For me, you know, I was very young when the when um, the incident occurred in 2003, so I didn't grow to know to know that side of Kobe until I, you know, became of age and I was like, wow, I didn't know that happened with Kobe. But it's it's hard to it's hard to even even you know fathom like, oh man, you know, my hero really did something like that. And I think I agree with Murph and saying, you know, you're you're you have the right to bring up anything in someone's life as far, as far as the journalist being suspended i don't know about the suspension i just think it's very you know untimely uh for that to be the first thing that said i think um kobe did a lot of good in his life and for that to be the first thing it's just like you know wow if it was if it was someone else and um i think i think if if, if i had passed and someone brought up my worst moment in my life Right immediately after I'd pass, you know, it's it's a, it would I would be, I I know my family would be irritated. Um, so it's it's, I just think it was it was untimely. I think that there's a time and a place to talk for it, but it wasn't even a day after he passed, and that's the first thing that comes up. It's just everyone's mourning, and that's what you want to focus on. I'm not I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with that from an ethical standpoint. Uh, and I also wonder too. Uh, again, just from a, a, a racial standpoint, because I think the colleagues I saw, I mean, if he was a Larry Bird or so, would, would people immediately dive into the into the negative, you know? And again, I think that if you're going to do that, you really have to do your, you can't be lazy about it. You know, you've got to go to the um, source. you got to find the, right. you know, you have to find the, um, the, the, the victim. 
Right. And that's the first thing, because other other than that, we're just spouting out generalities. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was, you know, there right. we've we've seen we've seen many stories out there where even like heinous cases of murder where the victim's family comes to forgive uh the person who committed the crime and you know they're in the same room and and they cry, you know, things like that have happened. So so for someone else to be complaining about this or just to completely harp on it as the first thing and you don't have and and I haven't heard from the victim. I don't even know where she comes where she's coming from. Um, at this point, yeah, it's a little bothersome to me, and not just in the racial aspect, not just the the perpetrator's race here, but also the the victim's race. Would if it, if the victim's race were different, is there a different response? I wonder also. And I agree with Randall. Um, this happened at a time where um, we were both the same age, so we were both very very young. So I didn't even really know too much about this either until it came up in this moment. But the fact that he passed away, and this is the first, the very first thing that you bring up, there are no condolences, you know, no prayers for the family, like you, you know, post an article about that. Um, I agree that it's just not, there's a time and a place for certain things. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be brought up at all, but, you know, in the moments, not even 24 hours after his death, it just feels a little inappropriate. So I just... I don't know. And I mean, the way that the whole thing was handled as well, I feel, is different from other cases that you see as well. He didn't admit to sexual assault, but he did still apologize. So it just it feels like there's just a very different vibe in terms of this case compared to other ones, not excusing his behavior. But, you know, like Randall said, there are just so many other good things that he did in his life. And I think those things are worth being brought up, you know, at least in the moments right after his death. And and just just to play devil's advocate briefly, I think what you know, some of the people who who are bringing this his, the sexual uh, case up uh, from the past are, you know, they saw, you know, when he when he died, they saw constant praise of him, nothing but praise. And we're saying that that should be the case. You should you should focus on the positive of his life. But I think a lot of people saw that. And they were, and in their mind, they're saying, "Wait a second, now let's be, let's come on." He wasn't all that. He wasn't all great. He wasn't a saint. I've heard that said from friends of mine. Oh, he, you know, just because someone dies, he wasn't a saint. That's true, um, but I don't think anybody was calling him a saint. And I did see in in initial reports, in you know, from the New York Times and from the ESPN, um, initially they did they did bring it up. You know, they 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 brought that up as part of his history. They just didn't opine on it. Um, I was just going to say that brings up an interesting point, too, thinking about what will people say when other people with allegations against them pass away? Like, are they going to bring up any type of good in their life or is it just going to be, oh, they had these allegations against them? Bow, bow, bow. Right. And it even it even came back up in 2016 when he was nominated and won that Oscar for Dear Basketball. Uh, so it's not like, you know, that this has just faded away into ashes or anything. It came back up, in, you know, during that, that Me Too movement era in, in Hollywood. So I just think, you know, this isn't something that has been forgotten. It's just when someone advances their life and moves forward the way that Kobe did, it's, it's, it's like you're, you're going back to the darkest place in their life when they're, when they're shining in the light. Um, and that's, that's just 
I understand. I understand that you know, just like you said, Murph. He's he wasn't a saint, but to a degree, it's like you know, look at what he's doing for the game of basketball and the people that he inspired in their lives. And it doesn't excuse his actions, but I would like to you know at least look on the bright side of the good that he's done. So it's it's not it's not going away. And I think there's a certain there's a certain degree of when when does the public forgive people consistently bring up. Um, for instance, the Chris Brown allegations mm-hmm. and things of that nature, right. even if their survivors have forgiven them, you know, but the public is still, oh, no, 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 we can't support them because they did this, they did that. Duh, 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 duh. So I'm not saying to forget what happened, but to continue to bring it up in certain situations, whether it's when they receive an accomplishment, oh, well, we still can't support you because we did this, or even in death, we still can't support you because you did this. You know, at this point, they're not even living on this earth anymore. So not to say to not bring it up, but I don't know. I think there's kind of a line that needs to be drawn. And then there was the, uh, you know, he had the the endorsement with the Turkish Airlines, which upset some Armenian Americans because of its ties to the Turkish Turkish government and that that government's denial of uh, our Armenian genocide um you know there was there was that as well uh what do you guys think of that yeah i mean it's i think it's fair i think i think it's fa- you know it's fair to bring up and, and my only question is that is somewhat of the timing and then somewhat of the for, the ferocity of it you know what i'm saying like what are you i mean does it, do you need to come down at this point this hard on his on his negatives which weren't something that probably should or did completely over um, overshadow the rest of his career, you know. So I think I think people have a right to bring stuff up, but I do think it's in, it's in poor taste to tr- to try to drill in on the most negative aspect of his life, you know. Right when when he passes, it's almost like you're giving somebody the death penalty. Like they deserve they don't deserve to live because they did they did something negative in their past, and I think that's completely wrong. Um, but I also think it goes both ways. I think, you know, you can't be hypocritical about it. I think, you know, I, I, I felt the same way when, when a guy like Don Imus died and everybody wanted to call him a racist. That was the first thing out of their mouth. He doesn't deserve, you don't deserve to mourn him because he, cause he made, you know, a couple racist comments. Um, I thought that was wrong also. I, you know, so it, it goes both ways. All of us have to, have to abide by the same rules. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll discuss where Kobe fits in the pantheon of players. I don't know about you all, but I was taken aback by all the different ways celebrities and fans organized to honor Kobe. Seeing all the NBA games that were played on Sunday night start with either 24-second violations or 8-second violations was incredible. Now, this is obviously because Bryant wore the numbers 8 and 24 during his 20-season career with the Lakers. And Mavericks owner Mark Cuban even said the organization plans to retire the number 24 jersey. Celebrity artists Lizzo to Lil Nas X and Boyz II Men honored him during the Grammy ceremony. And people brought flowers and wore Lakers jerseys to the Staples Center in Los Angeles where Kobe used to play while the Grammys were going on. It was great. Uh, to you all, where does Kobe fit in the pantheon of players? Well, for me... Uh... This Bill wrote me in Miami. I mean, obviously, he was the greatest of all time. I put him basically number three behind uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Michael Jordan, and then I put Kobe there on the strength of, uh, you know, 
five titles and just the sort of other intangibles. I know other people argue Bill Russell, which is legitimate. And I think LeBron, we still have to wait for his career to continue to unfold. I mean, I think it's possible LeBron could win two more titles. But right now, I put I put Kobe to the on court uh, number three uh, behind Kareem and uh, and um, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, I say he's a top ten player. I don't put him I don't put him as high as top five. I think I agree with Kareem. Uh, I would put I would put LeBron ahead of him uh, already. I think uh, Magic, Russell. I I even put I even put a guy like Bird ahead of him. Um, but I would say he's top he's top Sheesh. ten, uh, like in, like in the seven area. You know, Shaq. Some people argue Shaq should be ahead of him. I mean, Shaq when they were together, Shaq had three uh, MVPs of the of the finals that Kobe won. But I I look at one of the things about his his loss that really hurts me is that I liked him much better in retirement than as as a player in terms of his attitude. I, I started liking him more and more the more I heard from him after retirement. So I just feel like we're being robbed of maybe even a better post-playing career than he had a playing career, and that's what's really sad to me. Yeah, I think that, you know, what he was doing after the you know post game was things that I always heard my my cousin Trey had always said you know he's doing everything that I wish Michael Jordan would have done which is mentoring players. It seemed like every single summer after after the season ended, it felt like Kobe was taking somebody new under his wing. Like we knew he had a relationship with Kyrie, but then came Giannis and then came Kawhi, and then he had the five challenges challenging these different players to get different things. And I thought that was really great because. He was just so well respected by the NBA community and to have someone immediately retire and then give back to the game like he did was uh, was really fun to watch, especially considering he was my favorite player and seeing his relationship with with Kyrie, who plays very similar to Kobe. It was it was uh, it's like you said, we're, we're being robbed. And also, I just got to yeah, add, I, I, I just want to add quickly off the off the court, um, you know, he became more socially conscious even in retirement you know he 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 had some anti-trump tweets he would have never done that while he was playing um he supported kaepernick uh you know full fully um and things like that so yeah like i said i i I was really looking forward to what he was going to do uh in the rest you know the rest of his post-playing career and i consider you know kobe one of the best one-on-one like iso players just his ability to create space and get a shot off no matter what, no matter what the defender is trying to do, Kobe's going to find a way to score no matter what. That's on period, to be completely honest. So I would consider him one of the best one-on-one, just able to, you know, use his handles, use his footwork and everything to create points and opportunities for his team. And I also agree with, you know, off the court, just – my personal opinion, I love the way that he supported the WNBA right. and just women players in general. Um, Sabrina Ionescu, um, the way that he supported her, and she's still in college. She's not even in the WNBA yet. And just his outpouring of support for them and, you know, trying to get a raise in pay for the WNBA and all of that, I think is honestly amazing because people, people listen when NBA players speak. And, you know, a lot of NBA players have spoken in support of the WNBA, but you, you see how many people support Kobe and have to listen to what he says. So the fact that he was most definitely outspoken, especially considering that he had four daughters, 
Um, and one of his daughters wanted to play in the WNBA. So I think that was very important that he showed that open support to women basketball players and supported their hopes and dreams as well. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we were talking, this is Bill, and I, I'm going to have to leave you guys, but uh, I, I think we were talking earlier about what he did in 2003. I do believe for a combination of reasons, because he had daughters and all that, I think that he was trying to spend a lot of his life to try to make it up, mm. you know, in terms of supporting causes, whether it's WNBA, uh, you know, Naomi Osaka was one of the people he mentored. So I, I do think that um, take umbrage with some of my colleagues who were just kind of tearing them apart and just continue to hammer 2003 as if he did not at least attempt redemption. Uh, and I think he, I think he was consciously doing that. There's been something trending on Twitter, which is should Kobe replace Jerry West and be the new logo for the NBA? What do you all think? I, I mean, I think I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's a generous thought, to be completely honest. I don't know about going as far as changing the whole logo. I think they could maybe do something else, not necessarily in terms of the logo, but or maybe creating like a logo to put on the uniforms and make a tribute uniform or something like that. Or even like some people were saying for the All-Star Games, everybody on one team wear eight and everybody on the other team wear 24 and then put um, a logo of Kobe on the uniforms or something like that. But I don't know. The logo's been there for a long time, so I don't really think the NBA is going to change that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that All-Star that. thing, I think the All-Star game idea is a great idea. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I would go, go so far to change the logo. I mean, I think that because of 2003, that makes the logo change not really fathomable. I think that, you know, the the All-Star game idea is great. And, you know, we've even heard uh, the Mavericks owner has said that, you know, he's going to uh, – no no Mavericks player will ever, will ever wear the number 24 again, and he's going to retire the number 24 for the Mavericks. So I think there are other ways to, of commemorating uh, Kobe Bryant, which also comes into another question, which is what should Nike do? I think they made a good decision not to release the shoes. I think something interesting that they could do is maybe um, tie in his daughter with the shoe somehow or maybe um, bring in the oldest daughter, I think her name's Natalia, and maybe see in the near future if she wants to, you know, put her input into the shoe or something like that if they do eventually decide to release it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Maybe name something after the daughter who died. Let me ask you this. I don't know if I don't know if this was going to be brought up, but the whole issue of whether they should have canceled the games. You know, they, uh-huh. the games were played last night. There were about like seven or eight games on the schedule last night. They were all played. Uh, they're talking now about maybe canceling this late the Clippers Lakers game. That's tomorrow night. If they do it, fine. If they don't, fine. To me, I don't. But I don't see an urgency to cancel games. But what do you guys think? I, I agree well, with that. Know. If they do it, fine. If they don't, fine. It's just last night, I've just never seen so many NBA players crying all at once. Like, you could see the mental toll that it was taking on them. So I'm, I kind of felt as if they should cancel the game. But at the same time, knowing the type of player and the type of person that Kobe was, he was going to play no matter what. So I feel as if he would have wanted them to play anyway. So I don't know. It's um, 
a little bit of a slippery slope type of thing. I feel like if they would have canceled the games, I would most definitely respected that. But in not canceling the games, the they were able to pay tribute to Kobe by taking, you know, 24-second violations and 8-second violations. And the players were still able to perform, even in their moment of, you know, kind of mental distress. So I agree with Murph, you know, whether or not they do it, I, I'd respect it either way. I don't really think that you can you can go wrong with either decision just because uh, going off of what Whitney said, it's it's simple. Like, you know, people are saying that Kobe would have wanted us to play versus, you know, taking the time to, to grieve. And there are, even Kyrie Irving, he didn't he didn't play at all. So and, uh, you know, we saw Devin Booker, Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Tyson Chandler, all these people shedding tears. Um, and then you, you had Mike Breen's you know, his his announcement. Um, I think I think there's there's no there's no right or wrong in terms of canceling the game. Uh, I just think it's just a very sad day, and everyone's trying to figure out how to move on. <clears throat> but as far as you know, creating a a Kobe day, as far you know, his eight twenty four. Do you think that that should the NBA should create a Kobe day, or or is, you know, do you think that we should that you know, do you, I'll just say, do you think the NBA should create a Kobe day? Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's probably a, a, a nice gesture. Um, so I, there's no way that I would be, you know, I would not be anti a Kobe day. If, if, if that's what the NBA does, you know, I would support it. I mean, it's, it's such a tragic, shocking loss that came out of nowhere. Um, so, so maybe, you know, maybe something, maybe something like that is warranted. I hadn't thought about it, you know. So I, I think I think it'd, it'd be a, a great gesture on the NBA's part. Now, would I, you know, do I demand that they do something like that? And I'm not going to make any demands, but I think that would be a great gesture. I think the NBA is they're going to do something regardless, whether or not they create a Kobe Day or what. They're going to find some way to commemorate Kobe, whether. Um, like we said, one game, everybody wears the same jersey number. Or And even if the NBA doesn't do anything, the players are most definitely going to. You know, Trey Young changed his jer- jersey number to eight last night during his game. So I, I agree with Murph once again. Um, we're not going to demand that they do anything, but I feel as if they're going to do something. And also speaking of that, you know, I think that something should be done to commemorate Gigi, Gigi Bryant, as well as her teammates. Um, Kobe obviously has his own shoe brand. So, you know, maybe if somebody goes underway to design a shoe in memory of Gigi Bryant for all of the young lady ballers out there, um, as well as her teammate, I know her teammates, yeah, her teammate's name or her teammate's number at least was number five. So I don't know, maybe they could put five in. I don't know, just doing something to remember both of them as well because they were they were only 13, two 13-year-old girls in a helicopter crash. Right. Um, that's just, it's honestly ridiculous. So um, I don't know, what do you guys think of doing something around Gigi and her teammate? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. I just think it's, a, I think it's ultimately a timing thing. I think, you know, too soon is is going to hit people the wrong way. It's going to hit people like, oh, you know, so-and-so, let's say Nike is trying to capitalize, which I don't think they ever would, but 
I just think it's a timing thing. And when is the right time to do something like that? I don't have the answer for it. Uh, but I do think that, that Whitney, what you said was a great idea to have maybe, you know, her team design a shoe for her or, or something to that extent, um, something to commemorate the both of them, both uh, Gianna and her and her teammate would, would be uh, would go a long way. Yeah. And, re- and really, the you know, the other the seven other people who who died think they should be recognized as well. And I think they will be at the All-Star game or or wherever because I mean it was just a tragic a tragic loss and not just it wasn't just Kobe and his daughter. It was there were seven other people, some like you said, another thirteen year old, at least one other uh thirteen year old on that helicopter. And uh you know, we, we should not forget about uh them either. Well everybody, uh Bill has to go. He's down at the Super Bowl getting his credentials, so we'll catch you next time, Bill. Okay, guys, take care. Uh, great being on the show with you. Have a great rest of the show, and uh, as much as you can, try to enjoy the Super Bowl. Maybe that'll be some type of diversion. Right. But I'll see you guys later. Thanks, Bill. And the final question we have for the day is, you know, for the players that are in the NBA, who do you guys think mimics Kobe Bryant's play style, his mentality the most? For me, I, I think it's I think it's Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving. Damian Lillard has no fear. And Kyrie, we do, we know what he does. We know what he's about. Those two are 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 ridiculous. Dame shot over Paul George. Kyrie's three over my favorite player in the NBA right now, Curry. Uh, those two are are ridiculous. But but who do you guys think? Um, I agree with you, Randall, most definitely about Kyrie. Just his one-on-one game. Again, his ability to create space, and honestly, he can just take anybody who's in front of him. So and um, also his work ethic and just how hard he goes for the game. So I most definitely say Kyrie. Interesting question. I don't, you know, there's not one guy who can really match up to what Kobe had all in all. But mentality, I would, you know, I would say Westbrook has his mentality but doesn't have his, his skill set. Um, I do I do like the Lillard uh, comparison. Um, I think, you know, he's, you know, ice water in his veins, has no fear in the past couple of years and reminds me of him mentality-wise and killer-wise is Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, he's just, you know, mentally, you see, you see he, cannot be, he cannot be broken mentally. He cannot, you know, I don't think there's any, there's, there's a, I don't think there's a more mentally strong player out there right now than Kawhi Leonard. Um, not scared of any moment, takes all the big shots, makes the big shots, carried a team last year to an NBA Finals, reminiscent of what Kobe did, uh, those those the two championships he had with the Lakers. So I would say Kawhi is the closest. Yeah, those are all great players. But before we close out, Whitney and I caught up with some students at Hampton about their reactions to Kobe's death. Here's what they had to say. Hello, my name is John Mitchell from Apex, North Carolina. I'm a political science major here at Hampton University. Um, my reaction to Kobe's death was very shocking. And um, it just really hurt me because I've always looked up to him as one of the best basketball players ever. Like, he was a part of almost all athletic culture, no matter what sport you played. If you grew up not playing sports, if you grew up playing sports, you grew up knowing who Kobe Bryant was. And his mentality and his style of play has affected the whole world. And it's more than just his mentality on the court, but it's his mentality as a good father and as a coach and as a mentor. 
to basketball players, to black men, to men all over the world, to women, um, to the WNBA, to young girls basketball. I feel like he really hits home at a lot of those things, and he did such a great job, and he's leaving a great legacy. My name is Malcolm Stanley. I'm a junior business management major from Willembro, New Jersey. I grew up as a, um, because I live really close to Philly. I'm from New Jersey, and being that Kobe's from Philly, like, my dad would always talk about Kobe. Like, my dad's a Lakers fan. I'm a Sixers fan, but still, like, Kobe, Kobe's a name that, you know, we really grew up on him, like, generation-wise. Like, even if you didn't watch basketball, you knew who Kobe was. Like, it's just the magnitude that comes with his name is just, you know, immense. And I just think that as long as people remember him as being the legend that he was and as inspirational as he was, his name will go down to history. Okay, so I've been a Kobe fan my whole life, but at first I was a big Shaq fan. So when Shaq left the Lakers, I just moved on to Kobe and... I've just been a big Kobe fan ever since because I just loved the way he played basketball. And my favorite memory has to be 2010 when we played the Phoenix Suns in game six before he went to the NBA Finals. And Kobe was, he was hitting shots that like I've, I've never seen a player hit since. Like he was, hit a clutch shot and slapped Alvin Gentry on the butt. And it was just so funny to me. That was always my favorite memory because Kobe just had no fear that night. And um, if I ever had the chance to meet Kobe, if I had one thing to say to him, I would tell him that I appreciated him, you know, playing through all those injuries, even though it hurt him in the end with the Achilles. Um, Because I saw Kobe three times. And I just thank him for letting me love and gain my passion for the game of basketball. Because without him, I probably would have never known my true love. The Los Angeles Lakers mean everything to me and my family. And Kobe was one of the first athletes that I had ever come in contact with. It's just the fire and the desire and the passion that he had for the game and his work ethic is really what stuck to me because there are so many talented basketball players in the league, but there will never be another Kobe. Ever. And my heart is broken. And um, if I had one thing to say to Kobe, um, I would tell him thank you. And I would promise him that I would keep that mama mentality and use it for everything that I ever do for the rest of my life. One more thing. but I wanted to touch on his daughter, Gianna. Um, I had seen some highlight clips of her and just how similar, and not even just similar, I mean, it, it's like, it was like a, an exact copy of Kobe when he played. I mean, every move, every step, every shake, everything was him. And I was so, so excited to see what she would do for the game and how the game would change because of her and vice versa. And, you know, it's it's very sad and I'm, you know, praying for Vanessa and the rest of their daughters and all the NBA players who had close relationships with him. I-
Those last two voices you heard belong to Hampton students Paige Price and Justin Whitner. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. That's all we have time for today. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, or if you want to just leave us a comment, tweet at us at the undefeated hashtag Rodenfellows. You can also contact us directly. I'm on Twitter at Randall Williams. The second L in my name is an I. That's R-A-N-D-L-I Williams. And this is Whitney. I'm on Twitter at wit underscore bit 98. That's W-H-I-T underscore B-I-T nine eight. And I'm Jamal Murphy. I'm on Twitter at Blackitologist. Or you can just search my name, Jamal Murphy, on Twitter. I'll pop up. And although he's not here, you can find Bill at W.C. Roden. That's W-C-R-H-O-D-E-N. Thanks for listening to the Roden Fellows Podcast. This show is produced by Aaron Matheson, Kevin Parrish Jr., Nate Easington, and Arthur Cribbs. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. I'm Randall Williams, and I've been your host. Get all the HBCU 468 as well as The Right Time with Bomani Jones and Morning Rose by subscribing to the Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make the Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone. Mamba out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.